Ditch the fairy tale, princess. It's time to step outside the status quo and blaze your own trail. The path littered with setbacks, successes, and newfound passions. Why? Because when you break away from the script, you start to pursue a life by choice. One that is all yours. Live unscripted and rewrite your life. Brooke, I'm so excited to talk today about a lot of things that I think hold people back in a lot of ways, but they don't realize it is what is holding them back. So let's just dive right in because there's a lot of stuff as I was reading about what you do and about how you help people that I was like, oh, yep, that's me. That's me. That's me. Oh, kind of did that. Oh, don't pay attention to that. So can you give us a little insight as to how you got into this type of work and what exactly you do? Yeah. Um, I told you, I actually started as a hairstylist a long time ago, over 15 years ago. And, um, I always cared about my health. I prioritized it. I was overweight as a kid. So I, I started to kind of like research and learn things as I lost weight as a kid. So it always been something that I was a little bit passionate about. Um, and then when I got into to doing hair, I realized I liked it. I just wasn't in love with it. And I kept thinking about like, what do I want to do? And I was like, well, I really like health. So like, why don't I become a trainer? So I was in my young twenties and I, I did that for a little while. And about midway through my career, I um, had a pretty significant impact in my own personal life. I lost my dad to cancer, but through that process, I saw how much was not being talked about in the health space around like the wellness and how to take care of yourself and preventative measures and all those things. Um, it was very reactive from that standpoint. And I didn't want that to be my life. And I knew that, you know, 80% of disease and things come from like lifestyle and nutrition. So I was like, I don't want to be, have that be my destiny. I want to shift those things for myself. My body started going haywire from the trauma of losing my dad. My hormones went off. My gut wasn't functioning well. I didn't associate it to the trauma of losing my dad. It was more just like, why is my body broken? And everything that I'm doing well is not working. And I can't figure this out. And I'm way too young to be feeling this way. And I really just started to realize through that whole process, how much was missing for women in general, about being educated about their bodies. And I was seeing a lot of those things in my clients where they were doing all the right things, quote unquote, they were, you know, working out consistently, eating well, um, or trying to do their best with it, but just something was shifting as they were hitting their thirties and forties and beyond. And I saw it even more so after I had my daughter. So I really started to shift our business towards really focusing in on women and, I went back to school for a two-year uh, functional program, and it really opened my eyes to like how much of what we're missing to the pieces. So many people are doing so many right things, but the context of what's really important is being missed from that. And so a lot of our practice with women is centered around feeling really good in your skin, but what does that mean? Because what's going to work for you is not going to work for me. And really honing in on what does that actually feel like and look like in my life? Because what works in my life may not also work in yours too. Right. Mm, gosh, so much there. I feel like that's a huge missing piece and a, a huge factor that people feel like, well, geez, I am doing everything I possibly can to, you know, seemingly do things right, but I'm still struggling with X, Y, and Z. And so are there like typical things that people come to you with that are kind of like a baseline for the majority of women in their thirties and forties, because I think that's predominantly like who listens to the show. And I know that, you know, most people are doing their best or doing like a high percentage of their best day in and day out and probably still feel like they should be feeling better or looking better. Yeah. 
you know, especially as we hit our thirties and forties and fifties too, we think it's pretty normal to like start to be more tired more often, or we think that our metabolism slows down or we'll get told like, well, that's just what comes with age. And that's so not true. So I think first symptom is like, if you're thinking that it's because of your age, that is something there, then there's something else we need to look into. What actually happens with age is a compounding impact of maybe the tiny little daily things that we're doing that aren't serving us, that we aren't recognizing. And then those things compounded over time to where now we hit our thirties and forties and beyond. And now we're starting to feel the impacts of those things. So it's not necessarily your age as much as it's found more in the small daily habits. So a lot of people will come to us feeling like mid-afternoon crashing. They'll feel, you know, not necessarily rested when they're waking up in the morning. They'll wake up to pee in the middle of the night, or they have a hard time falling asleep at night. Um, they all of a sudden feel like they used to be able to maintain a certain weight. And now they're having to like be super strict in order to maintain that, or they're gaining weight and can't, you know, explain it. They might be getting bloating, uncomfort. Um, they might not be even having a bowel movement every single day is a sign that something's not right. Um, or as women, they're experiencing PMS, they're getting mood swings that, you know, around their period, also when their period starts to like, Oh, that's why I was feeling that way for the last week. All of those things are so common and they're dismissed as like, Oh, this is just how we feel, mm -hmm. but they're so not normal. Um, and they're things that we need to pay attention to. Cause those are what I call like the little lit flame. And then that little lit flame is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Oh my gosh. So many things there that I'm like, yep, I do that. That happens to me. That's what I've told myself. Like it, 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 you're right. And it, it is the compound effect of probably all it's always been like that. So you just assume that that's normal for you. And I guess everybody is different, right? Like, I think ever since I was a little kid, I've, I, I have to visit every bathroom I ever walk by. It's just, I've just attributed to, I have the world's smallest bladder and maybe there's something that I can do about that. But I feel like I had somebody on not that long ago when we talked about the cycle and, and paying attention to that of like each week of the month, you're almost like a different human because there's different hormones running through your body. So when I look at times where I felt, you know, moody or what would we call PMS symptoms, I do look back and think, okay, well, it was the week prior to my period. Of course, my body's literally shedding or doing all of these things. So are there some normalcies to up, ups and downs? Of course, right? A hundred percent. You're, you're a cyclical human, right? Especially when you're in that stage, but even as a woman who's gone through menopause and things, you're still cyclical. You're just not having a period. Mm. So it is very, very normal for you to have certain times of the month where you feel different than others. The best thing I describe is like your period should almost catch you by surprise. And the only reason it doesn't is because you're aware of your average cycle. So like, I know my cycle is 27 and 28 days. I know around this time of the month, my period is coming, but what you really is happening is the day you start your period is technically the beginning of your follicular stage. But what that really means is it's when your estrogen is starting to rise in your cycle. And as a woman, your estrogen and progesterone do a little dance with each other in the month. And when that estrogen is starting to rise, that's like, um, a testosterone to a guy. It's a feel-good hormone. You're usually a little bit more focused. You're quote-unquote motivated in that time frame. You're usually a little bit more social, usually more like task-oriented. You're in that like get after it type of a mode um, up until usually around your ovulation. Around six-ish days or so before your ovulation, you should also, when estrogen is rising and hitting a peak, you should also feel your sex drive increasing around that time frame. Your libido should be at its highest point. 
because if we want to think primally, if you wanted to get pregnant around that time, you'd be wanting to have a higher sex drive to get pregnant. So that's what you should notice around that time frame. And usually ovulations like that peak, we get a little bit of a testosterone kick up in that time frame as well. And then we start to transition into our luteal stage, which is where your progesterone and estrogen do that dance and progesterone starts to become more of the dominant hormone. Um, and progesterone is also a feel-good hormone, but it's more of a calming hormone. It's more of a natural sedative too. And this is usually the time of our cycle where people start to question like, what is wrong with me? Um, because I felt so good last week. And yeah. then now all of a sudden, like I'm more tired, I'm more hungry. Um, and when things are off, you can be more moody. You can be more anxious. You can be more emotional as we want to call it. Um, but what's really happening in that stage is progesterone just needs something different than estrogen did. So it just really should be more so looking at like in this stage of my cycle, my body needs a little bit more TLC in certain ways than I did in this stage. And when I'm in that, that, uh, higher progesterone stage leading up to when my period is going to start because progesterone is more of a natural sedative on average, we need an additional 30 to 45 minutes of sleep in that stage oh, of our wow. cycle. So it could be that make, like, oh, I just need to go to bed a little bit earlier or allow myself to sleep in a little bit more. And that 5am workout becomes a 6am workout. And I need to give my body a little more rest. Um, progesterone is also a prothyroid hormone. So in that stage of your cycle, you actually can feel a little bit of a metabolic uptake. So you could be hungrier because your metabolism is actually up to a little bit more. So we need to honor it and not necessarily, you know, deprive our body of it. Cause when we do, it's usually, you know, three to five days before our period, when we're making love to a pan of brownies, because we're like starving at that point, because we haven't honored it. So, you know, it doesn't mean it's a, maybe a five to 10% caloric increase a day. We're not talking about like eating a cheeseburger every day type of a thing, right? It's more some hummus and veggies, a couple squares of dark chocolate, something like that to support that, that hunger need. And when you're in that stage of your cycle, your neurotransmitters shift a little too, and your serotonin can be a little bit lower, which when that happens, that's where that anxiety and things can really start to be experienced as well. So avoiding caffeine and that stage of your cycle, if it triggers it, getting that extra rest, taking, adding in like some magnesium glycinate or something can be really beneficial to help kind of offset a lot of those things that we can experience in that stage. Mm, how many, you made a post the other day about someone saying, or people saying in general, maybe clients that you had, and I'm, this is, I hear this in other realms of life and business of, I just want to live my life. And I, I kind of had to laugh because like, how many times have we been in it, right. Or whatever that it is for you listening. And you're like, Oh, I just want to live my life. You know, I don't want to have to pay attention to X, Y, Z all the time. I don't want to have to, you know, make sure all of these things, but you know, as a woman, that's just, you know, kind of how it is. Like if you don't pay attention to certain things, they start to, like you said, the flame gets a little bit bigger and bigger until everything's a shit show. And you're not quite sure what's what and why this is happening and what's causing different things to happen. So these sound like really small things we can start to pay attention to and really cycle. Is it cycle tracking that we should be doing? So we know, like for me, like in business, I, I relate everything to like my schedule and stuff. If, if I was having a slow week at the salon, it was great because I would track my schedule over the years. 
And I would look back at like that month during, you know, the year before. And I'm like, oh, this is a slow season. This, this week in particular was slow the last two years. And it made, it made sense, right? Data tells like a story and for my particular business that helped me see like, oh, this is normal. So when we do that for our body, we, we will do that for everything else and other people in our life, but we won't do it for our own damn bodies. And I, I, I laugh sometimes because when I look back, right, you can connect the dots looking back. I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. Or I understand it now that it's happened, but I can't be the only person who wants to feel like they're on all the time. Well, yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's one thing I tell women is you need to track for at least like 90 days to notice trends in your cycle and in your body and tracking, you know, I don't necessarily like open up my app every single day and make notes in it. You don't have to do that, but you can notice like, oh, I felt a little off today or I was a little crampy today. Let me log in my app and look, oh, I'm ovulating. No wonder I'm a little crampy right now. Right. So you can just notice like when you feel a little bit off, but what tracking really allows at the end of the day is it allows you to tune back into your body which is a really powerful tool that you have to understand how your body functions, how it feels, what's normal, what's not normal for you. Because women have an intuition and we have a really amazing intuition. And a lot of times we lose touch with that intuition when we allow ourselves to like operate at capacity or like be distracted or go, you know, be overstimulated and go in so many different directions. So all it really is, is asking you to take two minutes to check back in with yourself on a daily basis and just say like, how do I feel? What feels good to me right now? What doesn't? And the whole, I, you know, we hear the statement a lot of like, I just want to live my life. And I'm like, that's a resistance that's coming up, right? A resistance to something, whether it's a resistance to changing something that you're doing or a fear that like, it's going to require this whole shift of everything. And you're going to live your life either way, whether you choose to make healthy lifestyle shifts or you don't. And it's either you're sacrificing it now by adapting and getting adjusted to your body, or you're sacrificing it later by dealing with something else that you've been avoiding. Right. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of choosing and there's nothing wrong with either choice. It's just a matter of choosing which one you really want. Yeah, that's so true. And what a great way to like shift your perspective around, like, we don't want to defer anything that we can have control of now, especially if you're in your early thirties and forties, or even in your twenties, where you can start to have less of that compound impact. Like we were talking about doing certain things by not getting enough sleep, probably drinking too much caffeine, um, not paying attention to how you're feeling during different times of the month. Like what do you need? So what are some, like, I know everybody's different. I know everybody, right. I, I love always talking about the human design as well. And we all have different things that we need in order to support ourselves, but physically and you know, I think like people are talking more and more about like the nervous system and being able to regulate that. For me, that's one of the things that um, I do notice I'm highly sensitive during that time, you know, that, that the progesterone is doing its thing and I'm in flow. Like I just started two days ago and like, I feel great. Like to, you know, yesterday I was a little tired, but today, like I feel very clear and focused. I feel calm. I feel yeah. like I had a decent workout this morning. And it's funny because for years you kind of just operate on like the, the, what do they call the men's like schedule? Like we're not in our, in our flow. And so yeah. my, my wish hope dream is that everybody can create their own schedule, which is why I love the beauty industry because many people are independent entrepreneurs at some level and can create their own schedule, right? Like you can work a busier week when your body allows it and you can take, you know, less clients on the weeks that you need to. And 
this is literally like, obviously the universe is talking to me really strongly by you being like the second person in like, I think about a week and a half that I've had this particular conversation with. And I'm grateful because I know it's something that's not being discussed enough as to why people are not feeling their best, accomplishing the things they want, feeling good in their body, feeling good, even when they do accomplish things, because they don't really know what's going on. Like you might have everything you want, but you're ultra sensitive or you're not, your body's off for some reason. Um, I feel like I could give so many different examples, but I know you guys have to have some sort of like testing that people can, can get access to or quizzes maybe that they can take to see like, oh yeah, this does kind of sound like me. And I know I can be, you know, optimizing things in different ways. Like how, how do I learn more? Yeah, hundred percent. We do have a quiz. So, um, I actually have a link for you. So for anybody who's listening oh, good. there, they can go to, to fill out, to just kind of see where they're at. But the biggest thing, you know, when it comes to optimizing, and this kind of goes to your point too, of right, we're either going to pay for it now or pay for it later. If you can start it in your 20s and 30s, the things that you're going to have to do to optimize those things will be significantly less and way more simple than if you wait and you do it later. It's going to be way more complex and it's going to require a lot more patience, right? So proactivity is always going to be better than reactivity with it. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to things that you can start to do now, especially cyclically, for someone who does own their own business and has a little bit more control over their schedule and things, but even if you don't, if you are in an environment where you don't have as much control, it's even just bringing the awareness to like, this is how I might be feeling this week. So one of the things that we do with our clients um, that my mentor taught me is she's coined something called like ETM or energy time management. We bring it in with our clients and essentially just like, look at your week ahead and start to track with your cycle. So every Sunday, my husband and I sit down for like 15 minutes and we go through our schedules and we have two young kids. So we'll look at like, all right, here's what's coming up this week. This is what the kids have going on. Here's what I have going on. This is what my week is going to feel like this week. I bring in another layer with that, with my husband of here's where I am in my cycle this week. So you can be aware of where I'm at. Um, but also my husband pays attention. So he knows like what kind of a mood I'm going to be in and what I'm going to need. So I can tell him and I can communicate to him like, hey, I'm in my, I just had my period. My week is insane this week. I am booked back to back with stuff. And um, I'm going to be doing this for my workouts. Here's, I don't need a lot from you in that time frame, right? I don't need you to take a lot off my plate. But then in another week when I could be like close to my period, I could be having a conversation around like, hey, my period's supposed to start on Thursday. I need a little bit more restoration. Here's how you can help me by taking these couple things off of my plate. I'm not filling my schedule with stuff. I'm taking limited appointments this week. And you can be a little bit more flexible with yourself and proactive with your schedule, knowing how you're going to feel. And so you can honor what your body's going to need from you. So you're not crashing and burning by the end of the week because of how you were feeling, or it can be a, Hey, I'm going to be sleeping in this week. Could you take the kids to school or could you do this? Because my body needs a little bit extra rest this week. So small little stuff, you don't have to do everything, but you could just layer in one little thing at a time. And then what we usually do is at the end of every night, we do a little check-in of like, how did the day feel today? It can be 10 minutes. What, you know, what went well today? What didn't, what do you need from me for tomorrow? You know, something along those lines. It just helps bring some cohesiveness and it helps you be more prepared for like, how do I want to go into tomorrow feeling? Or how do I want to go into this week feeling? And now I know the layer of how my hormones or, or how my body's functioning is going to impact me. So how can I be aware of that on top of all the other things that I have going on? 
If you have control of your schedule, amazing. You can manipulate it. If you don't have as much control, then it can be awareness of, hey, the things that I do have control over, maybe since I'm in my luteal stage, my normal like boot camp style workout isn't going to serve me this week. Since I don't have a lot of rest time, maybe that's going to become more yoga or it's going to become something more restorative because I need a little bit more this week. And this is all that's in my control. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I had actually somebody, um, message me today when I was talking about going to the gym or doing something, I almost like want to pull up what the, what she was writing, you know, because she was talking about how she's like, how do you do it all? She's like, what does she write? I literally have it here. I work 10 hours, five days a week, run my business. When I have clients, she's a wife. Now she's a stepmom. She's like, I never have time for anything anymore. I could hardly get to the gym, let alone get laundry done. You're a superhero. And I wrote, I voice memoed her back. And I was like, nobody's a superhero. Like you're, you sound like a superhero. That sounds like superhero shit. Um, but I think that's where the awakening has come from for people who are stuck in situations like that, where maybe they're working 50 hours a week at a job that isn't, doesn't have any room for flexibility. And I know sometimes we can feel stuck with our current situation. And, you know, I think if this if this isn't an eye-opening reason for more women to step into some sort of entrepreneurship so you can, can take control of your current life situation, if that's what you need. If you're listening to us and you haven't even made it you know, in this part in the podcast and you're like, oh, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm great. Like, cool. Like you're a unicorn. Um, send this to one of your friends who seems like they have mood swings all the time. They definitely need to hear this conversation because- I, I feel like I get really down on myself when I feel extra sensitive or I'm, I'm extra emotional, or I don't have the ability to focus as well certain weeks. And I talk a lot about giving yourself grace and I don't necessarily do that for myself as much as I would like to. And this is just, it's, it's a simple like facts. This is what your body goes through every single month. Not like sometimes every single month. And it's, it's one of those things that I'm so grateful we're having this conversation and that you're breaking it in down, down in, in a simple, easy to understand way so that, you know, people can start to understand there's less wrong with you than you think like this is normal. And if you start to really pay attention to it, like 90 days, you can track something for 90 days. We're not telling you to change your whole life, but pay attention to how certain things are making you feel. And that's why, like, I try to do my best to encourage people to move their body every day. And sometimes for me, it looks like a walk around the block. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, hmm, I wonder why today I want to go for a walk and tomorrow, like the next day I want to go, you know, run on the treadmill. You, you have to understanding your body and understanding things makes your life so much easier. And the piece about communicating with your partner, like that's a game changer. I don't know how many silly little arguments my current partner and I have gotten into because he doesn't understand. He's trying to like pay attention to my cycle. And like, he's been good about like, okay, what, what's the date? but he doesn't understand the four weeks and the process and the breakdown of all of it. And the, after the last interview I had, I, I kind of shared some of it, but this is helping me even more to understand how we can check in. Um, because most people want to support you, like whether it's friends or coworkers, or if you're, if you've got a great, you know, leadership team or a boss, like letting people know, like, you don't need to get into detail about things, but you know, I'm going to be extra productive next week. Maybe you should put a little bit more on my plate, but the week after that, I definitely need to like leave every day by two or whatever the case may be like asking for the things you want. It's it. And that you need from a spouse or a partner or people in your life. I mean, man, 
we could just really unlock some powerful, powerful things because the number one reason why I feel like obviously marriages fail, you want to quit your job or friendships kind of dissolve is lack of communication around where you were at when maybe a misunderstanding happened or like a moment that you were like, I totally was not myself that day, but you didn't realize that was what was going on. Well, it's also too, like you just said, right? The communication and asking for what you want. I think a lot of times people forget to ask for what they want because they feel like a burden by needing something. Mm-hmm. You are a human. You, everybody has a need and there's nothing wrong with you needing something. You don't, we all sometimes, and I think it's women especially, but I think men do it too. But like, we can put this thing on ourselves of like, I have to be doing more. And I'm like, what more do you need to be doing, right? If you're working 50 hours a week and you already are a stepmom and you've got all these other things going on, like, why are you comparing what you're doing to what somebody else is doing? Because you're talking about totally different scenarios and context is we, what we forget all the time. Context is everything. Yep. You don't know what that other person's behind the scenes looks like, what their you know stressors are, what their body's dealing with. People ask me like, well, what do you do for your workouts? And you must work out every day. I'm like, no. I work out, I strength train three days a week at the most. Um, I do a lot of walking right now in this season. It's just not what my body needs. So I, but if I try to compare what I'm doing and I see somebody else who's working out five to six days a week, I could easily get in this, like, well, I should be doing that too. When that may not work for me. And if you have 50 hours a week, that sounds like a lot of stress already trying to add more into your schedule. Like the answer sometimes for some of us might be that we need less. Yeah. And we actually might need to take more off our plate because our capacity may be burned out and we might be trying to do too much. So asking for what you need is critical. You're not a burden to anybody who cares about you by asking for something. If anything, I think a lot of times people want to help, yeah. but they just don't know what you need and they don't know how to help. Especially those people closest to us. Like they expect to be told. And I think the mind reader piece, we were, <laughs> we've had a, several conversations in our relationship over the last two years around, like, I can't read your mind and vice versa. So I, I think being able to clearly communicate that, um, is literally everything. Okay. So let's get into some hormone chit chat about what's normal and what's not. And, and then I'd love to dive into like gut health and how it really truly impacts us. Yeah. So it's funny. So your, your hormones are really, um, I say they're like a secondary responder or the signal. They're usually, whereas women were symptomatic and we're thinking there's a problem with our hormones because we're feeling PMS, we're feeling the moodiness, heavy periods, missed periods, um, irregular cycles, you know, like all of those things, none of that is normal. Um, but that's usually where we're very symptomatic and noticing stuff. So we, a lot of times our thought process will go to like, there's something wrong with my hormones. I need to fix my hormones what supplement should I take? You know, what, what should I do? And I'm like, your hormones are the responder. They're not the root issue, right? So your hormones being off are going to be your, your vital sign. Sometimes a lot of people call your cycle, your fifth vital sign. It's letting you know that something is off, but rarely is your actual hormone, the root issue. It can come back to your gut plays a massive role in how everything, I usually say like, you're not what you eat, you are you are what you're able to digest, absorb and use. So your gut's a huge role when it comes to your sex hormone function. You filter some of your hormones through your gut. Not pooping every day is a sign that there's a hormone issue. Um, and then your adrenals or your body's ability to respond to stress can play a huge role in your hormone function too. 
And then, you know, your thyroid, if your thyroid is dysfunctional in any way, that plays a huge role in how everything in your endocrine system is functioning. And then you already had mentioned it earlier, your nervous system. So how your body is responding to stressors is all going to start back up there. So a lot of times we're spending so much time in sympathetic overdrive in our body. And we're always in like that fight or flight state that not enough of us are getting back into our parasympathetic, which is like our rest and digest state with our nervous system. So sometimes the hormones are usually more of a, like you actually need more recovery time in your week. You actually need more restoration and you need to, at the root of it and the foundation of it, probably prioritize some different things when it comes to nutrition, lifestyle management, sleep, recovery, a lot of daily habits can be leading to it. So some of the biggest things that like are red flags for me when I'm talking to someone is they're waking up in the morning and grabbing their phone. They're tired when they're waking up in the morning. They're stimulated all day long. They're either out of their house working, constantly interacting with people behind a computer screen, behind a phone. Whenever they're at a stoplight, they're on social media. Like they, a good way to tell that is check the amount of screen time at the end of every week on your phone. And then they, you know, if you have kids, you're picking your kids up and then it's constant stimulation, especially if they're young. Our kids are five and almost three right now. So it's a lot of stimulation. And then the kids go to bed or, you know, you're down for the week and then you're watching TV until 10 o'clock and then you're trying to fall asleep or you're scrolling social media in bed until you fall asleep. Those are all red flags for me when that's done chronically that your hormones and things that are dysfunctional are not really a hormone issue. It's a nervous system or it's a stress response issue because you're spending your whole day stimulated. Um, so sometimes it can be that. The other things that can become red flags for me nutritionally is skipping meals, waking up and grabbing coffee first thing in the morning before you do anything else, um, not prioritizing protein with your meals or limited protein intake, um, cravings often, mid-afternoon crashes where you're reaching for sweets or coffee again or something along those lines. Um, those are all signals to me that there could be something nutritionally that's impacting the hormones. Um, and then workout wise, if you're someone who is like, you know, not to not CrossFit, but like doing CrossFit five days a week, um, and there's no like yoga or recovery or anything in there, or you're doing boot camps or HIIT workouts or all that stuff, which in some contexts, there's nothing wrong with them. But in a lot of contexts, there's a lot of things wrong with them. We're usually overdoing the exercise. And it's not that there's a thing as over exercising. It's more of a thing of under recovering. You should only be working out to the level that you're able to recover from in your life. Um, so those are all the biggest red flags that I hear from people where I'm like, oh, okay. The hormones are not the issue. It's something within that that's causing the issue. Yeah. Wow. So much there. I feel like I do all of these things. And it's so funny because yesterday I picked my son up from school and he's been in this constant state of like complaining about he's in fifth grade. So he's 11. He's a little on the older side, side for fifth grade and it's constant. I'm tired and I'm bored. And I, yesterday I picked him up from school and it was like the umpteen time I've heard how bored he is at school. And I was just like, so frustrated. Cause I, I was like, you have no idea what being bored even feels like kid. Like you have a phone, you have your PlayStation, you have TV. Like we didn't even have cable when I was his age. Like uh, there was nothing to do, but go play outside or read a book. And I looked forward to school. Like it was where the stimulation happened. You know, even if you didn't like your teacher, you still found some something to stimulate you at school. And so it's like this reverse undoing of all of this stuff we've been inundated with to feel like 
we are doing stuff all the time. And and I think it's not just in the ch- in our children, it's in adults because everything you listed, like majority of people do wake up and go straight to their phone, even if it's within the first 20 or 30 minutes. Um, majority of people don't wake up feeling not tired. Like, you know, there's a little drag to their day and they are stimulated all day. I'm thinking about my partner. Like he is up first thing in the morning. He's checking his emails. He can't even like do a warm up at the gym without checking emails and looking at things. And then it's call after call after call. And he's on, he's reacting to other people. And then, yeah, it's, I, when we, when we met, it was like, he couldn't fall asleep without the TV on. And I'm like, oh my God. And I, I used to just chop it up to being a guy thing. Like they can have the sports on, they can be on their phone. They can be trying to have a conversation with you. I'm like, my, my I don't know if I have ADHD. I can't pay attention to you. Like, I can't even hear you through the TV and the radio and all the things. And it's just like this constant need to be stimulated. Like the recovery piece. I mean, if you're spending eight to 10 hours a day doing that and you're not recovering from that, like where that's why people laugh when they, when I tell them I go to bed at eight 30 or nine, I'm like, the day has done me in. Like I need to shut my brain off. And if that means I have to go to sleep, then I go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the stimulation, the constant stimulation is an avoidance, you know, it depends on the person, right. Am I avoiding the way I'm feeling right now? I don't like being alone with myself, you know, whatever that is. I we've had clients that are like, but I just, I sit there and I don't know what to do. And it's really uncomfortable. And I'm like, good. I want you to sit in that uncomfort for a little while until you get comfortable feeling uncomfortable, right? You're, it's okay to feel a little bit of uncomfort because it's a sign that something is off and we need to tune back into our body and letting us know. Sometimes, you know, it's not an avoidance and it's, uh, it's like legitimately almost an addiction, right? We were never taught how to use social media. We all of a sudden had like went from, you know, AOL and MySpace to like, it's on our phone and available 24 seven. And we don't have the ability to, or know how to regulate ourselves with it. We have the ability. We just don't know how we were never taught how to regulate with it. And then, and that's why we see it with kids too, right? Because they were never taught. And I'll, my clients will be like, well, my, my kids are always on their phone. And I'm like, how much are you on your phone? Right. Cause they're watching you do it. And we don't disconnect. We don't put it away to do a workout. We don't put it away to go to bed at night. And we have a legit reliance, whether it's a security um, it's become like our security blanket, right? Growing up my big, I thought I was good with it until I went on a retreat for five days where we couldn't have our phones at all. And day one, I was like, this is amazing. I don't have to do anything. Day two, I had so much anxiety. I just thought my business was burning down and everything was falling apart back home. And then I got my phone back and everything was fine. No one needed me. Everything was good. And sometimes we can, you know, it's a control thing. For me, it was, I needed to feel like I was in control of stuff. So when I had my phone, I could control the situation. If something went wrong, I could fix it. I could just be on top of it. Whatever it is, we have to cut the umbilical cord, right? Sometimes and just let it go a little bit and distance. And that's usually where a lot of those things can come from. The people feeling hormone issues and all those things, the deeper and deeper I go and learn more and more, the less I think it's an actual hormone issue. And the more it is, is the like way that we're doing our routines in our daily life or the way that we're living our life, which even nutrition issues are not usually a nutrition issue. The reason we're choosing that food is because we're at capacity, we're overstressed, we're overbooked and we need something fast or we're just grabbing stuff. Um, it's not usually that, it's usually something else that's leading to that choice. Mm, so many good points there. And I hope if you're listening to this, that, I mean, we all 
you're, you're either in one category or the other, you know, she, the constant simulation she pointed to can be a state of avoidance. Mm -hmm. It can be an, an addiction. It can be both, or it can be, you know, you not being able to relinquish some sense of control by having the phone or knowing what's going on at all times, 24 seven with your business, with other people, um, knowing that you could reach out at some time to get a hold of your kids or your spouse or whoever, um, that to me is like the underlying issue of all of these things. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, we make decisions of food based off how we feel and how we feel is a direct reflection of how we just spent our day. And I love that you're pointing all these things out because we always want like the quick fix. Yes. We're like, give me the pill. Tell me the answer. Tell me the one thing not to eat. Tell me the one workout to go do. Give me the one motivational quote that'll change my whole life. Tell me the one special book that's going to like change everything. And yeah. we've been fed this bullshit. Like I'm just going to go on a tangent right now. Um, we've been fed this bullshit on social media and with what we see out in the world to think that like shit should be easy or that there's some quick fix to stuff. But, you know, like you said earlier, you're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it later. And if we can take like the negative connotation out of like paying for it now, you know, how much better do you feel when you're drinking water instead of a bunch of caffeine? How much better do you feel when you actually get a couple good nights of sleep? How much better do you feel when you go for that walk instead of doing that hardcore workout or whatever it might be? Yeah. Those are the things that are really going to shape um, how you're able to make decisions and show up in your business and in your life. And at the end of the day, like everybody wants to step into the office or the salon or their business or online, whatever it might be with that energy, that's like high level. And there's no way that you can do that day in and day out. If you are not optimizing yourself and taking care of this stuff. So I, I could just talk to you about all this stuff forever, because I feel like it's such a deep dive rabbit hole of not just being like what we think it is, right. The hormonal, give me the pill, tell me something's wrong with my thyroid. That's why I can't lose these 10 pounds. Not I know I've been eating things I'm not supposed to because they're not good for my body, not because somebody told me they were not good for me, you know? It's the, how do you want to feel, right? Not making a choice based on how you're feeling right now. Choose based on how you want to feel in the future. Yes. That's the question I always tell our clients is like, before you make a choice, ask yourself, is this bringing me closer to how I want to feel or keeping me feeling stuck? Which one is it? And there's nothing wrong with like, hey, I just really want some ice cream. I'm going to eat some ice cream. There's nothing wrong with that choice, but it's the like decision of ice cream just sounds good to me versus like, I've had a really awful day. I really need to eat some ice cream to cope with it. Right? Like there's two different choices in that. And you need to choose like, how do I want to feel in the future? And is eating this way, making me feel the way I want to feel in my body is going to bet on time, going to give me the energy to feel the way that I need to feel tomorrow for the things that I'm doing is drinking this second glass of wine, you know, going to impact my sleep. So now I'm exhausted tomorrow and then I'm going to crave foods and right. And so we all know, I think what the repercussions of our choices are going to be. And there's a consequence to everything. And it's just a matter of if it's a good or a bad consequence, we're going to choose what feels good. And it's not a, I think at the end of the day, it's going back to the choices that you're in control of and doing what you can with where you're at. And yeah. If it does mean that all you're doing right now is tracking your cycle, then amazing. That's where you're starting. If it does mean that you're already doing those things and you're layering in other small stuff, you know, you just got to do one small step each day to inch yourself closer to that. We always, like you said, want the quick fix. We want it tomorrow. So we think like, oh, what's the life overhaul I need to do by tomorrow, which is not sustainable. 
Because at the end of the day, you should be making these choices for a lifetime of choices. And there can be some short-term things we do in there for sure. But, um, you know, I'm not going to change my life overnight, but I can change my life day by day as I start to make those shifts. I love that. Well, you talked about the two glasses of wine and I I was actually going to bring up alcohol, but then I was like in my head about not wanting to go down that rabbit hole. But at the same time, like I know exactly how I feel when I drink any amount of alcohol, I can kind of get away with like a half a glass with dinner and it feel not feel like I had anything, obviously either the next day, um, and, or my sleep. And I've tested out different wines to see what affects me more, but regardless at the end of the day, that's the piece that I know I have like the most control of. And I've been on the fence around stopping drinking completely because it is such a social thing that we do. And I, I think back to, you know, like my sleep is off. I wake up several times a night. That's just always been the case. I don't, not that where I can't go back to sleep, but I'm up several times. I definitely go to the bathroom at least once or twice a night, always have ever since I was little. So I'm just like at a loss for, obviously, do you highly recommend that your clients, if they're, you know, starting to track or starting to make progress on things, limit the alcohol extremely, or like, where, where's your point of view on that? It depends on where you are. I think the biggest thing is just understanding what alcohol is doing to you. I love a glass of wine too, or a good margarita. So I'm not going to tell somebody to not drink something, but just like anything, it's the context of the choice. I'm also not going to choose alcohol to deal with stress. So if I have a really bad day, I'm actually not choosing alcohol on that kind of a day. I will choose a glass when I'm having like a really good day or something's really well, going really well, because at the end of the day, alcohol is inflammatory. You can get the most organic form of, you know, anything. It's still going to be inflammatory. Alcohol disturbs the gut, your microbiome, it influences inflammation, which can lead to systemic inflammation. The inflammation impacts your hormones, your thyroid, your estrogens, your androgens. So alcohol also negatively impacts your sleep. You may fall asleep faster, but your sleep can be disrupted lighter. You're not going to get into that REM sleep. So it's critical from that standpoint, but alcohol in the simplest form is a toxin. And it's filtered through your liver. You also process sex hormones through your liver. Alcohol is one of the one things that when you take it in, your liver literally stops everything else to process the alcohol and get it out. So, you know, once to twice a week, me having a glass of wine isn't that big of a deal because my body's going to go back to doing what it needs to do. But every night, multiple drinks in a week, it's usually over two drinks in a week. Um, that's where that's going to start to create some, some compounding impacts and have some negative effects. So I would say, just be aware, you know, if you're drinking more than two drinks a week, try to scale back to two drinks a week and see how you feel. If you're drinking drinks a week, you can try to cut it to one and see, um, I think it's just the awareness and that small little inching or if you don't think it's impacting you try not drinking for two nights and then have a drink and see how you feel and, and pay attention to those things too. Yeah. I know. I feel like a lot of people who limit have gone to limiting it. Then when they go back to try to drink it, they're like, Oh my God, I feel terrible. I should have just kept, it's like your body gets used to that level of pain or discomfort. And then when you take it away, you might not realize you feel so much better, but then when you put it back in your body, you're like, Oh shit. Um, that's been true for me too. When I've done fitness competitions in the past and went, you know, three, four, five months without any alcohol or being pregnant, you know, I couldn't imagine starting smoking cigarettes or something again after, you know, all this time. I don't know why we think anyways, 
I know that the word sober curious has been thrown around a lot and I've seen a lot of people talking about it. And I just want to encourage people if that, if the pressure of society is making you want to, you know, show up and be on your phone more or drink more alcohol or do things that aren't in alignment with what you need to be doing. Like it's time to take personal responsibility. And I've been having this conversation with my kid a ton around personal responsibility versus like what everybody else is doing. And it's true for myself. I'm telling him, like I'm reminding myself. So I hope this was like, a ton of good value and information and reminders of things that you have control of for yourself personally, that there are women like Brooke out there with, with their company who can help you figure out exactly maybe what's going on with you and your body, not what you think is going on, not what other people have going on, but you in particular. So I highly recommend reaching out, take the quiz um, that will be in the show notes for you to grab, but also go follow Brooke, learn about these things, because I know like literally every single person who will listen to this podcast episode will relate to a piece that we talked about today on some level for sure, because we're human and the majority of people that listen are women and they are highly ambitious, doing big things, running around in circles and, and not really always giving themselves the love and attention and time that they deserve to feel their best. So thank you so much for sharing all of your wonderful insight and knowledge. It was so impactful for me. Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Where we can find you on Instagram. Yep. It's at Brooke Rousey. Um, I'm probably on there more than I should be. Um, and then my website is brookrousey.com. I also have a podcast called the power of a woman and we started a YouTube channel. Um, Hell yeah. I resist social media so much. Um, so yeah, don't expect me to be on YouTube every day. <laughs> deal deal. We'll take a piece of you when we can get it. And you guys tune into her podcast, the power of a woman and, you know, just start to really put yourself first, prioritizing your needs and what, what you have going on, because it's going to let you have a cup to overflow and share with everybody else in such a bigger, brighter way. And that's what we're here to do. Right. Uh, Brooke, thanks again for your time. You guys, if you love this episode, you know what to do, tag us, share it, Send it to somebody you know who could definitely benefit from hearing this conversation, even if it's things you kind of already know, like re-reminding yourself what's most important, which is you and taking care of your health and, and all of that. So we can be around for a really, really long time. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of Unscripted. Creating this podcast is as much fun as it sounds, and it's not hard. You're worthy of sharing your expertise with the world. So I've broken it down so you can start your own damn podcast in four weeks or less. Head to the link in the show notes to start now.